joy. So Paul's first sense that he's communicating to Timothy, this is valuable. Treasure it, continue in it, because it is so important. Love it, value it, treasure it. Secondly, what we see from these verses is that a people of the word, I've chosen these words carefully, a people of the word eat the word. Which, bear with me, if you are of probably a similar age to me, should immediately draw you back to the 1999 classic by the Worldwide Message Tribe, entitled Eat the Word. Who is with me? There were at least four this morning. Mark Willoughby, one. I'm disappointed. No, I'm not really. I'll move on. I'm going to eat the word. I'm gonna... Anyway, no, carry on. Um, what am I saying? Some jokes work. If no one's with you, carry on quickly. Don't, don't slow it down like this. Don't do it. But I'm still doing it. No, anyway. We're to feed on it. We're to take it in. We're to chew on it, read it, get hold of it, see what does it mean? What is it about? You see, Paul recounts that Timothy has learned and has known the Holy Scriptures from infancy. He's been taught. He's received it. He's taken it in. He's got hold of it. And then he references that Timothy, as you're using this, look at, look at this. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and equipping. Chew on it. Get hold of it. Meditate on it. It's what it says in Psalm chapter 1 and verse 1 and 2. The psalmist says that he meditates on uh, the law of God day and night. It's amazing that finding the book of Psalms has been a problem this morning and this afternoon. It's not like it's small or in a difficult place. It's right in the middle and it's huge. Here we are. Psalm 1 and verse 1. Blessed is the one who doesn't walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That gives us a problem. What what on earth does it mean to meditate on the words? And it was interesting, Nikki brought this to my attention. She's reading this book called As, As Kingfishers Catch Fire, interesting title, by Eugene Peterson. It's reflecting on lots of lots of different parts of scripture. But as Eugene Peterson reflects on Psalm, Psalm 1, verse 2, that we just read, he says this, The way we take delight in this revelation of God, this scripture and Jesus, is meditation. And he says this, that is, we don't just read it on the run, we don't just memorise a verse or two, but we meditate. And then he says this, I wish we had a better word for this in English. Meditate gives the impression that it's something that monks and nuns do in their monasteries, or what you might do in contemplating a beautiful sunset on the beach. Something you do when you're really serious about God. But here's the surprise. In the language of the psalmist, this word meditate has to do with slow eating. 
literally to slowly chew or, or like to suck on a lollipop. And then Eugene Peterson goes on to say, my understanding of meditate in Psalm 1 took on a whole different meaning when I came across the same Hebrew words in Isaiah chapter 31, verse 4. As a lion or a young lion growls over its prey. That word, growls over. And as he he realised that, he thought of a dog he once owned. And he goes on to tell the story of his dog. His dog brings home a bone some bone that he's just dragged in from somewhere. And the dog takes the bone and he kind of shows it to his owner and, and the family. Aren't I clever? I got the bone. And then he takes it off to the side and he starts to meditate on it, chewing away at it, finding every little nook and cranny, starting to worry little bits of extra meat that are still on it, starting to chew and to take hold, to enjoy it, to spend time over this bone to keep chewing on it and working out is there anything any better way of getting at this to look around it and he meditates on the bone and Eugene Peterson went on to say meditate is far too tame a word for what is being signified meditate in English seems more suited to what someone might do in a quiet chapel on your knees with a candle on the altar, or what my wife does while sitting in a rose garden with a Bible on her lap, just thinking. But when Isaiah's lion and my dog meditated, they chewed and swallowed, using teeth and tongue and kind of all your body is involved. Isaiah's lion meditated his prey. Eugene Peterson's dog meditated his bone. We all are to meditate on the revelation of the scripture and Jesus. What's it saying? Why have I taken that time out to look at that word? It's getting hold of this very thing. See, it's possible to read the Bible, and maybe we read this verse, back in 2 Timothy 3, verse 14. As for you, Timothy, continue what you've learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you've learned it. Great, that sounds good. And off we go. We're called to meditate on the words, to get hold of what what is Paul trying to communicate. That's what we're doing today, in a sense. Together, we're trying to work out what is Paul talking about? What does he mean? As we read the Bible ourselves, however we do it, and we'll come to that, we're to dwell on it, to chew on it, to look it over, to read it again, to think, what's he trying to say to me? What, What is this doing for me? What is, what is God communicating to me through this passage? To meditate on his words. Not just because we have to spend lots of time and study really hard, but because the word of God does us good as we spend time in it. So we're to eat the word, to meditate on it, to chew on it. Again, the heavenly man, uh, Brother Yun. When, he, when the men came to bring in the Bible, what did he say? Have you brought me bread? And they said, yes, we brought you a feast of bread. That's what it's like. Jesus, when he was in the desert being tempted by Satan to turn a stone into bread, what does he say? He quotes the Old Testament. He said, man will not live on bread alone, but using the same picture, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. 
This is sustaining. This is like food to us. So people of the word are drawn to feed on the life-giving word of God. And in that context, we're drawn to feed on all of the word. What does Paul say? All scripture is God-breathed. So in that sense, not just favourite texts. It's all good to have favourite verses written up. Keep looking at them, do it, it's great. But the whole of the scripture is God-breathed and useful for uh, teaching and etc. It's why on a Sunday we will generally, albeit not at the moment, go through books of the Bible. That's not primarily... No, it's not at all because we're lazy and don't want to have to think what we're going to preach on the week after. Because we don't want to miss out bits that you generally would if you had the choice. For example, we've just been through the whole of the letter to the Hebrews. Now, it's very easy to go, let's look at Hebrews 11. It's exciting. All those different characters that we can look at that had faith and they did great things in God. Let's look at it. Hebrews 6 is a bit less appealing at first glance but we don't want to miss it out because all scripture is God breathed and useful for teaching rebuking correcting and equipping the people of God we've looked at the tough issues in 1 Timothy where Stan's preached recently it's what you see when Jesus is on the road to Emmaus with his with those two disciples he's leading them through all the scriptures showing look it's all pointing to me it's all about me. It's all good for teaching. In fact, that means that includes not just the New Testament, but the Old Testament. In fact, as Paul's talking to Timothy, he's only got the Old Testament. Because Paul is speaking in the New Testament. You know that letter I sent you that I'm actually talking to you at the moment? He's not, he's not saying that because it's still being written. Because we're reading it, do you know what I mean? Maybe I'm confusing now. But the point is, it's about the Old Testament as much as the New Testament, if not more. It's easy for us to think, perhaps the Old Testament is not so relevant now. No, it is. It's wonderful. That's what Jesus took the men through on the road to Emmaus. Look, it's all pointing to me. So all of the words, the tough bits, the easier bits, the bits we know very well, the bits we know less familiar, we're less familiar with. Let's feed on it all. All the word, all the time. Paul's going, to inst- going on to instruct Timothy to preach, to preach the word to the people in season and out of season. When it's good, when it's bad. When it seems like the right time, when it really doesn't feel like the right time. In the good and in the bad. The Bible is a The Bible guides us. As the psalmist says, your word is a lamp to my feet. We need a lamp most in the darkness. Ephesians 6. To arm ourselves for the fight. To put on the full armour of God. The shield of faith. To extinguish the fiery darts of the enemy. The helmet of salvation on our heads and take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. At all times, in all circumstances, the Word is always useful for teaching, correcting, and equipping. 
I was reminded this morning as we were worshipping, I'm not quite sure why this came into my head particularly, but of the, the, the hymn I've mentioned before, and I've talked about Horatio Spafford before, but the, the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. But as we read, It Is Well With My Soul, we can remember actually Horatio Spafford wrote that out of the, the turmoil and the, the aftermath of this great tragedy of his daughters dying on a boat trip across from America to the UK. Let's read through the verses. What's he drawing on? It's the truth of Scripture. He starts it off with that sense of when, when peace like a river attendeth my soul, when sorrows like sea billows roll. So in, in all circumstances, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. But what does he go on? I'm going to get it. Though Satan should buffet, though trial should come, let this blessed assurance control. And what? That Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. It's the truth of the words. This is what Jesus has done. This is what I'm going back to. Then he carries on, my sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin not in part but in whole is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. And he finishes by going on, I know what's coming. Why does he know what's coming? Because it's in here. Lord, haste the day when the faith shall be sight and the clouds be rolled back like a scroll. The trumpet shall resound. And the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. Where's Horatio Spafford drawing? It's the word of God. It's the truth of the words. As we know, in the midst of an utterly horrible time, in season and out of season, in the good and in the bad, this is where we find hope. In that sense... It's not a textbook or a reference guide in that sense. But this is the living word of God. Able to speak into all situations. Yes, as we, as we look and we chew on it day by day by day, but also in specific situations sometimes. I was reminded this week of, of a story of, of us working out whether we as a church or as a youth team at the time we're going to go to New Day in, I think, 2013. Uh, at that time, uh, me and Nikki were, were heading things up over here, and Liam and Sarah Maxwell were heading things up at the Jubilee Centre, and we were working out together, are we going to go? And we were looking and going, I don't think it's particularly practical because we haven't got a lot of team and uh, it might not work. So we're trying to work it out. We've been... Umming and ahhing over it, and uh, I remember we went, I went to a particular meeting about something completely different uh, with Mark Rushworth, who uh, was typically blunt. You need to make a decision and get on with it. <laughs> or, or something similar. <laughs> but if you know Mark, then it probably was very close to that, anyway. Um, <laughs> But I got home and I was like, well, what, what are we going to do? And I just knew I had to see, I needed to seek God. I needed to work out, just, God, would you speak to us? So I thought, I need to get into the words 
just spend some time with him. And, but, but where do you go for shall we go to New Day advice? Well, you don't. You get in the words and you see God. And so I decided to go to where I happened to be. I'd been reading through the Bible in a year, I think, or it wasn't a year, it was longer. But I'd been reading through the Bible from the beginning. And I got to 1 Kings chapter 17. Story of Elijah having gone to Ahab and said, There's going to be no rain. God tells him, Go. Where does he tell him to go? Tell him to go east. It's a relevant detail normally, but at that moment, it was a massive detail to me. Go east. Where's Norwich? Well done, Catherine. Catherine knows where Norwich is, of course. It's where New Day is. Now, this isn't an exposition. It can never be an exposition. The exposition of 1 Kings 17 isn't in, in, all, in all circumstances, go east, because that's what I'm saying. That's not what the point was. But as I started to read the 1 Kings 17 story, God started to speak to me. Go east and I will provide. As we see further on in that story, we hear of the, the widow who God had already spoken to um, about about providing for Elijah. I'm already stirring up others to help you. Don't be afraid, Elijah. This whole thing will bring life. And turned into a time of spending time in 1 Kings 17 turned into a genuine confirmation of, look, Rich, this is what we're supposed to be doing. And we committed to go. As I say, it's not an exposition. That's not the meaning, if you like, specifically of 1 Kings 17. Albeit there's a general sense, look, look how God provides. God is the one who provides for us. As I say, I'm not going to stand up and preach and say, whatever we do, in all circumstances, go east. That's what we need to do. That's, that's just not true. But the word of God is living and active. In different moments, God can speak to us by his words and encourage us. So all of the word, all of the time, and in all ways. Okay, this doesn't quite fit. In many ways, in lots of different ways. Read it. Read it in the morning. Read it in the evening. Read it at lunchtime. Read it when it works for you. Hear it. If it helps you, get an audio version and listen to it. Get hold of it. You can, have, you can be listening to it all the time. Many people will start the day reading the words. Others might find a different time. Some might follow a reading plan. Others may look for a particular book in the Bible to look at and then perhaps use a commentary or another devotional book to look at it with. It's not prescriptive. There isn't a right way to read the Bible. Sometimes it might be helpful to you to read long sections of it. Quite quickly. At other times it's really useful to get in and go, what does this verse mean? I want to get hold of it. You might have a very set pattern. You may love to mix it up. Go for it. Enjoy it. Pray and ask God to help you 
Worship him. Focus on him as you come to the word of God. It's not prescriptive on how, but read it. Find the time. Carve out the time somehow. Eat it. Feed on it. Meditate on it. Chew on it. Let it do you good. Let it impact you as you read and as you get hold of it. Because it is alive. It's living. Let it change you as you read. And keep going. We see Paul says to Timothy, I know how you've... uh, Where are we? Continue what you've learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you've learned it and how from infancy you've known the Holy Scriptures. Read, keep reading. Keep going with it. Keep running after him. Keep going at reading the words, at feeding on it. Also in this context, we see Paul drawing attention to, to trust in those who teach and the teaching and generally to the teaching and preaching of the words. He draws the attention to the importance of good teaching. In fact, he's going on to instruct Timothy to be a good teacher, to preach the words, to proclaim this truth, to hold to it and to declare it. Because it may not always be what people want to hear, but keep going with it. But he tells Timothy specifically, you know whom you've learned it from. Presumably referencing Paul and his co-workers in some way. But drawing attention to the, fact, the importance of trust and relationship. It's great to hear good teaching wherever we can find it. Perhaps online, perhaps uh, the different books that we read, perhaps uh, different speakers that we hear in all sorts of places. But also there is value in and importance in being connected in. Receiving teachers from leaders who you trust, from leaders who will give an account for you, and living in, amongst one another, seeing the, the truth lived out in one another. Paul draws attention to this importance, the importance of being connected in and receiving truth in relationship. But he also draws attention, presumably, to Timothy's mother and grandmother, who he's already mentioned in in chapter 1 of the letter. 2 Timothy 1 verse 5, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, Timothy, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you also. Timothy, in that sense, has had a great upbringing. He's had a great advantage that his mother and his grandmother lived by faith. That faith was in them. And children, if you're here today listening to this, perhaps for you, from your infancy, from being very little, you're hearing this truth. You're hearing this truth just like your mums and dads are, just like everyone else is. I'd encourage you listen well keep listening and hearing what you can 
But as well as that, go and read it yourself. And get your mums and dads to read it. Whether that's a Bible with like the same kind of Bible that we're using here, or whether it's one of the great storybook Bibles that we've got, you can get hold of. Hear this truth. Because it will change your life. And parents, let me encourage and exhort us, rather than you, talking firstly to myself, let's be like Eunice and Lois. Eunice and Lois who faithfully brought up Timothy in the ways of God. Teaching him the word, yes, but actually primarily, as Paul says here, living it. That faith lived in them before it lived in Timothy. And in the midst of that, see the great and wonderful task that you've been given to teach your children the way of the Lord. It's a right question, certainly not a bad question, to ask what does the church specifically do for children? It's certainly not a bad question. But a major part of our answer has to be and should be how do we equip parents to be living out our faith, chewing on the word ourselves and teaching our children in the context of family life, living out faith together, seeing, seeing our children receiving the truth as we live it out together. You see, Paul is so keen that Timothy and those he will teach will be feeding on the word of God. He implies this wonderful importance. Sorry, let me start that sentence again. He shows him the importance of learning out of relationship of trust, of integrity, of learning together. Whilst also noting the Bereans. In Acts 17 verse 11, they received eagerly what Paul taught, but they also searched the scriptures to see if what Paul said was true. Trust those who are teaching you, but don't receive it unquestioningly. Un, un, unquestioningly. Anyway, I shouldn't have used that word. Without questioning, please do ask questions. Go and search the scriptures. Is what we're saying true? Is it raising questions? Well, then ask the questions. Receive it eagerly, gladly, but searchingly, learning together, rightly questioning. Bring your questions. We would much rather hear them than have them go unasked. So we're to value the word and we're to eat the word very, 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 very quickly. Even quicker than this morning. We're also called to live the word, to live it out. Paul is clear that the value in the Word of God lies in, go the value lies in going beyond reading. Not just reading it and going, oh, that's interesting, isn't it? That sounds really good. What's Paul's command to Timothy? Continue in what you've learned and become convinced of. Continue in it. Live it out. Live out what the Bible teaches. These scriptures that make us wise for salvation, that train us in righteousness, that equips us for good works. It speaks not merely of an accumulation of knowledge, 
but of an equipping and a training of life-giving work in us. Because the word of God is to be lived out. Continue in what you've learned. I'm going to suggest, this morning we had a quick look at the story of the wise and foolish builders. I'm going to suggest to you, it's in Matthew, it's in Matthew chapter 7 and in Luke chapter 6. The point of the story is this, that both the wise and the foolish man heard the word, but the wise man puts it into action. The wise man builds his life on it. The wise man says, yes, I've heard and I believe it and I'm going after it. I'm doing it. Whereas the foolish man does as James is somewhat blunt about in James 1 verse 22. Don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. The word of God is to be lived out. It equips us to live lives for God. It's not always easy. The Luke 6 version of the, the story tells us that why the wise man is like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on a rock. Getting into the word, feeding on it, getting hold of it, living it out can be hard work, but it's worth it. It can be challenging, but it's worth it. It can challenge and change us, but it is worth it. Because the word is to be lived out and the word gives life. So that's the third point, to live it, to obey it, and to do it. Because we are a people of the word. Let's value it, let's eat it, let's feed on it, and let's live it out. Amen? Amen. Let's, uh, let's stand, we're going to sing, I'm going to pray, uh, and then we can respond. Father God, I thank you that your word is true. Father God, I thank you that your word is wonderful. <laughs> Father God, I thank you that uh, the value of your word and, the, uh, and everything that there is to living it out and, and feeding on it and all of that is far too much to, to squeeze into one afternoon on a Sunday. Lord, would you help us as we go from here to be a people who treasure who are not, not afraid to chew on it and to get hold of it and to, to say, God, let this change me.